What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Built Different Podcast. My name is Zach Clinton. I'll be your host. And as we continue to grow, I'll have friends joining me each week to interview some of the leading experts in the fields of motivational speaking, mental health, ministry, and even sports. Our goal is to instill hope, encouragement, and motivation in and through your life today. And our prayer is that after each episode, you'd be more equipped and encouraged to look, love, and live more like Christ from the inside out. That's our definition of what it means to be built different. So I hope you're ready. You better buckle up. Let's roll. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to this week's edition of the Built Different Podcast. I'll be your host, Zach Clinton. I hope you guys had a blessed and such a happy Thanksgiving holiday. I also hope you guys had a blessed weekend or having a great start to your week. Hope you didn't eat too much turkey. I hope you didn't spend too much money on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. But I also hope you didn't miss the moments that God had prepared for you this Thanksgiving season. My friends, again, today we are so blessed to be joined by a renowned speaker, hope dealer, and young adults pastor Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco, Texas, a dear friend of mine, Mr. Grant Trout. And today we'll be unpacking how we can choose to, instead of just go through, grow through seasons of change in our lives and shift our perspectives to see the good in the midst of the hardship or transitions that we may be facing. Trust me when I say Grant brings the heat in today's episode, and this is a conversation that you do not want to miss. Before we get there, I wanted to remind our listeners that this podcast is the official podcast of the American Association of Christian Counselors. Here at the AACC, we are committed to encouraging, strengthening, and serving Christian mental health professionals, including licensed psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers, psychotherapists, marriage and family therapists, addiction counselors and counselors, as well as Christian life and mental health coaches, pastors, lay counselors, and the community at large. Our goal is to equip those in the helping profession with research-based biopsychosocial knowledge and spiritual truths to aid in counseling and ministering to those who seek assistance in achieving mental wellness, personal wholeness, interpersonal competence, and spiritual maturity. In addition, the AACC is on a mission to help the church worldwide become more caring and mental health friendly as we seek to champion for spiritual practices and spirituality within mental health care. If you're interested in being further educated, equipped, and encouraged on how you can better find help, hope, and encouragement for yourself or others in the midst of challenging and difficult times, my friends, be sure to visit our website at www.aacc.net. My friends, now I wanted to dive in just a little bit more about our incredible guest today before we get to our conversation. Grant and I, we had the opportunity of getting connected a few years back through a mutual friend of ours, and man, since our first conversation it was evident that something was different about Grant Trout. I mean, this is a dude that has so much passion for the Lord, and there's no question that God has an incredible plan and purpose for his life. And what I really love and appreciate about Grant is that he's so open and vulnerable of sharing how Jesus is what changed everything about him and his life. Some of you may be familiar with Grant's testimony as we had him actually here on the podcast about a year and a half ago now, but there's no question that God has radically changed and transformed Grant's heart, but also the way in which he sees, approaches, and walks alongside of others. This dude isn't just the leader. He's a shepherd, and he's a good steward of the people and the things that God has entrusted him with. And it's truly been uh, just such a joy of mine to continually watch Grant grow and impact and influence a multitude of people, including myself, with the gifts that God has blessed him with in his heart for others. And especially here recently, as he's embraced so much change and transition in his own personal life, but to see the way in which he's leaned on God to lead God and direct his steps along the way, it has been nothing but admirable, exemplary, and inspirational. And so that's what we'll be discussing today. When we face the inevitable challenges and transitions that this life will throw our way, how do we choose the proper perspective in the midst of these seasons to not just go through, but actually choose to grow through these seasons of change? And how do we allow the Lord the opportunity of sharpening, molding, and developing us along the way? You guys, be sure uh, to take some notes and get ready to receive what the Lord has prepared for you today. My friends, without further ado, help me welcome back to the podcast, my dear friend, Grant Trout. Uh oh, people, we have one of our favorites back on the mic. Grant Trout, thank you so much for joining us again, my friend. So good to be with you, Zach. I have missed you. And looking at you through this camera, my heart is beating faster than it should. <laughs> good to be back. 
Dude, so excited to have you back on here. It's always a blessing just to catch up and just to hear about the amazing things that God is doing in and through your life, the ministry, the marriage. We'll dive yeah. into that today. I cannot wait. But, dude, we've had you on now. It's been a year and a half. Can you believe how fast time flies? I was just Easy. looking at that just a few minutes ago. Year and a half. But we got our listeners and viewers. We had to catch them up on quite a bit of change and transition that has occurred in your life. Not only did you get married. You moved cities, you moved yeah. into a house where you're recording from today, but yeah. also you accepted a new role and position as the young adults pastor at Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. God is good, my friend. Yeah. But I'm reminded of Grant here, and what I really want the heartbeat of this conversation to be about, there are people, man, that are going through change and transition seasons in their own lives, and maybe it's been really dark or it's been really difficult. But just up front here, I want you to give us a word of encouragement. What's a lesson that God has been teaching you and revealing to you in this season of change in your own life? Totally, man. I, I would say growth and and comfort just don't go together. And you've probably heard that before, but man, I remember being in Dallas and I was about to propose to Maddie. And uh, I, I had my family, my friends, my comfort, my girl, everything was in Dallas. And opportunities in my church were starting to come. And it just felt like God was creating this kind of perfect storm for me to just be in Dallas and start my career. And I remember as I proposed to Maddie and we were starting to pray about, hey, what's next? God clearly just kind of pressed upon my heart, Grant, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And what he meant by that was, Grant, I need to develop you before it's time for you to really settle down and really do what I've called you to. And so out of nowhere, he goes, Grant, I want you to pray about a career in Waco at Harris Creek. And I'm going, God, no, <laughs> please don't. Waco, like what's in Waco? And and I just remember as I read through the Bible, I, God was telling me like, hey, Grant, no man that I called was allowed to stay comfortable. No man in the Old Testament, no man that I've called in the New Testament. Every time God calls a man, he calls him out of his comfort zone. And so as really a step of faith, Maddie and I got together and we were like, hey, um, let's go to a place that we don't know anybody and, and let's start a new life. And really that leave and cleave mindset of Genesis 1 um, is, hey, a man and a woman shall leave their father and mother and become one flesh. And so what I would say is in order to grow, in order to be developed and to be the man that God has called me to be, Truly, I'm not allowed to stay comfortable. Um, and that's not easy. I mean, yeah. Zach, as you said, new marriage, new city, new home, new church, like all at one time. And I was thinking about, as I knew I was going to go into this conversation, a tree in the winter is stripped of all its leaves. Yes. And it has to lose everything before the spring comes and it blossoms in the abundance. And the Lord's like, Grant, life is a life full of seasons. And Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3, it says there's a season for everything. In that uncomfortable season where you feel like you're being stripped of everything, it is all preparation. It's all how you handle that, how you lean into the Lord in that because spring is coming and yes. he has to do something new in you. And so really a life verse for, for this season right now is Isaiah 48. And it talks about forget not the former things or remember, sorry, remember not the former things for I am doing something new. Yeah. And it's like, Grant, don't, don't stick on what it used to be. God wants to do something new. And so for anybody right now that's like, I miss the old days. I miss how it used to feel. I felt so comfortable. Let him allow him to strip you because he's doing something new mm. and he wants to use you, but you can't skip the developmental process. Dude, something that just hit me in between the eyes when you just said it was no man that I have called was allowed to stay comfortable. Dude, that's so good because like you said, toughness and growth and development, they don't happen in seasons of comfort and convenience, but more so in seasons of challenge and controversy. And so God has been pruning you. He's been growing you, molding you, shaping you, developing you in the season. It's evident, man. You have grown into the man and the leader that you are. We'll dive more into that today. But you know, I came across a quote um, not too long ago as we talk about comfort and convenience and it said that the massive men, I would go on to say the massive people, they lead quiet lives of desperation. And mm -hmm. why? Because I believe that oftentimes we allow the fear of what if to make us settle for what is and rob us of what's best, right? So it's like that fear of man, the fear of the unknown, the fear of uncertainty, the fear of whatever challenges may come about. And I'm reminded of just the word fear. A lot of people listening, viewing this today, they're living lives of fear, Grant. Totally. And so 
a quote by Max Licato that I came across says, the presence of fear, it doesn't always mean the absence of faith though, right? Fear visits everyone, but it's our job to make sure that fear is a visitor and not a resident. Another friend of mine, John Gordon, someone that you know dearly too, he says that faith and fear have one thing in common. They both believe in a future that has not yet happened. Fear believes in a negative one. Faith believes in a positive one. You know, yeah. what you feed grows. Grant, how have you been making sure in this season of change that you're feeding your faith rather than feeding that spirit of fear? Yeah. And Zach, I feel like fear is just coming for our generation. Like fear is coming to cripple people. And I would say, I'll just go first and say that this is something I struggle with. Like, man, I think I've let you in a little bit to that, but panic attacks, anxiety that hit me in 2019. And I was going, God, why? Like, well, why are you allowing this? And, and it, bro, you understand it. Like for those that are starting to walk with Christ, the enemy's got a target on your back. And his number one tool, his number one effective tool is fear. I want to stop him. I want to mute him. I want to cripple him. And so, man, I would say um, it's very easy to let your mind go down the spiral of fear. Uh, and, and what I would say is like the, the one thing that has helped me in this battle of fear is finding a space to get away and be intimate with the Lord and just go, I can't do it on my own. And so I'm reminded Jesus often in the gospels, it says he would get away to the mountain alone with the Lord. And I would just impress to anybody listening, find your mountain because life is going to tell you you're behind. You're not doing enough. Uh, you know, you need a relationship, all these things. It's going to start to feel like you're suffocating Jesus who had people still to heal. He had his disciples to still pour into. He said, guys, I'm going to the mountain. And I think sometimes we feel guilty to get alone with the Lord. Because we're like, well, shouldn't I be, shouldn't I be pouring into people and giving to people and doing this stuff? And what I have found is me and my wife, we have a closet upstairs in our house and that is our sanctuary. That's our holy spot. And so we would light a candle and I'll get in there and I'll just go be with God. Wow. And, and what's really cool is, is it's been like, he wants your honest heart. Yes. And so when I get up there, it's not, Hey God, it's so good to see you, man. Sometimes it's full of tears going, what the heck? Like, where are you? And and another thing and and kind of correlation with that is vulnerability breeds vulnerability. And so I would say to everybody, go first saying, I am fragile. I'm actually dealing with a lot of fear because Satan has power over what you hold in the dark. But when you let that out in the light and you realize, hey, everybody else is struggling just like you, you begin to free up and you don't have to wear the mask. You don't have to act like you got it all together. And that fear begins to get really small, but I know it's a process. And so, Zach, I've been in this from 2019 till now, and I've I've seen a counselor that's been really helpful, but there's been nothing more helpful than getting alone with God. And sometimes I'll just breathe. I'll do four in, hold for four, four out, but I'll think about God. Yeah. Like, like something that has really helped me lately is I'll wake up and I'll sit in my living room from... 5.45 or 6 to 6.30, and I won't pray, I won't read, I'll just look out my window and I'll watch the sunrise. Mm. And I'm sitting there thinking about God and all of a sudden as I see the birds fly across and the and the, the trees blow in the breeze and the sun is coming up, it's almost like I see creation just waking up right. and it's settling my heart and God is going, I am God, mm. you are Grant, I'm in control. And it's like my problems get smaller and smaller, but we feel like we don't have time to get that still and get that quiet and just go, okay, I just need to breathe with you, God. And so, I mean, there's a lot of different tools that I feel like people are doing with Calm app and so many different things, but I don't think we're getting alone in our mountain just to be with God. We think if we're going to do it, I need to always pray and always read. Like sometimes, bro, he just wants to walk in the park with you. And you don't even need to say much. You just need to be like, hey, you're my dad. You're my father. And I need you because like I'm I'm a hurt sheep, you know, like I'm a wounded lamb. And without you, I can't do what you're asking me to do. Mm. So find and prioritize time on your mountain, right? That time with the Lord, that quiet space, right? That solitude, that 
peace, that rest. And like you said, be vulnerable, be honest. God's not afraid of your fears or of your doubts or whatever you may be going through. He wants you to welcome him in because he goes where he is invited. I remind me of what you just said, just that Dallas Willard and John Mark Comer quote, right? We must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Yeah. Being able to say like, hey, we live in a very robust, a busy, a hustle, go, go, go culture, but find the mountain, man. Take the yeah. time to find peace, to find rest. Don't get anxious. Don't get stressed. No, if anything, just slow down more and spend time in his presence. Yeah. Grant, something that uh, you just mentioned, right? You said that you and your wife, right? So I want to dive in here for a second. <laughs> You're talking about marriage, man. Yeah. Let me say this up front because I, I haven't really said this to you, but your guys' wedding was amazingly beautiful, not only just in the appearance of it, but it was amazing to see how evident the spirit was while there. I mean, his presence was felt. It was known that you and Maddie have an intimate and personal relationship with God personally, but more importantly, it's evident just found. You can see it all throughout your guys' marriage. And so what a blessing that was. It really, really was just to see, but also to see you guys grow in this as well. What I want you to kind of dive into is this. I know this, that marriage, man, it it really does sharpen you. Like it changes you a lot, right? You learn so much. How have you grown as a man in your marriage? Yeah, Zach, I am a completely different man than when I was in that studio with you a year and a half ago. I hear you. Everything about my life is different. I think that I thought as a single man alone with the Lord, he had sanctified almost all he needed to. And I was like, man, I'm re- I'm ready for this, you know? And, and I remember the first couple months of marriage going, God, I thought you dealt with that anger. Mm. I thought you dealt with that selfishness. Like I hadn't cussed in a long time. And, and not that that's something to hang my hat on, but all of a sudden I'm in marriage and I'm being pressed to a place that I haven't been pressed to in years. Mm. And all these words are coming up in my heart. And I'm like, God, what am I even like, do I love you? And, and I would say, man, marriage, uh, just to say it up front, marriage is the best thing in the world. Absolutely. In fact, that is not said enough. Marriage is so beautiful. It's beautiful. And it's so great. I went, I actually last weekend was celebrating my one year. I know. On Sunday. Congratulations, dude. Yeah, that thank you, man. Insane. Thank you. I was in the same spot. So I had proposed to her a year and a half ago in July, and wow. we hadn't been back to that hotel in Florida yet. And so we went back for our one year. That's awesome. And, and I walked her through the same kind of spot I proposed to her is, hey, you can't teach that stuff, Zach. That's, that, that's in you, bro. <laughs> That's either in you or it's not. And, um, but man, what I, I was looking at her and we were just talking about like all we've grown in. And I would just say, you have so reminded me of how patient God is with me. And when I push you and when I get angry with you and when I'm not kind to you, the way that you forgive me, the way that you show grace to me, it reminds me of God's character. Like Psalm 103, 8, it says, God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And I realize how not like God I am throughout marriage. I'm like, man, I am not slow to anger. I'm not full of mercy all the time. And without him, I I am never that. And so I I would say, man, I have grown as a man in terms of what is real love. Like love has nothing to do with how I feel. And when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, it's not a noun. Love is not something you fall into. It's not something you find. It's an action. It's a verb. It's a command. And so when you start to see love as that and through that lens, I start to see what Jesus did on the cross for me a lot more like, hey, I don't necessarily want to. My feelings don't want to hang on this cross, but I'm choosing because I love you. And love is something that you choose a command. And so when I look at Maddie, I go, my love for you is real now because I've been with you through the tears, through the fights and the the feelings of, hey, you're beautiful, you're gorgeous, you're attraction. You know that, Zach, like, bro, that doesn't, that won't last you when things get tense. Yes. Things heat up. That's not enough. And that's why, man, we're seeing so many people get divorced because it's like, well, my feeling for you, it's gone. Mm. And so I am learning to be a man not led by what he feels, but what he knows and what is true. And I know that God has called me to love Maddie and she's called to love me. And ultimately our marriage is supposed to reflect Jesus and his love for the church. And so what I want people to see in my marriage, hopefully like you saw in our wedding is not Grant and Maddie. It's not, I want a relationship like that. Like that's, that's a failure if that's what people see, but I want them to see, I want their God. Like I want the Jesus they serve because they seem to operate not in perfection, but in a sense of, I love you no matter what. 
And marriage is something that I just hope to restore in like a young generation. Because they're like, I don't necessarily want what my parents had. Right. They may still be married, but they're definitely not happily married. Mm. And so how can you and I set a new tone for a new generation going, no, this is good. This is God's. And it can be amazing. Not easy, but it can be amazing. That's exactly right, dude. And I love what you're saying because I think about my marriage with Evelyn. It was the same thing, right? Those feelings of attraction, those easy things, they do fade away, right? They go, especially in moments where it's like, oh, there's so much conflict, right? But you recognize, like you said, that what you just said is love is a command. Love is a verb, right? It is that sacrificial sense, that act of love. And like you said, it is worshipful to love people, to give the very best version of yourself. Love is supposed to be easy, though. It's supposed to be fun. It should be all of those things. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you said, marriage is like the greatest gift. It's totally. going life with your partner in crime. Yeah. It is a blast, but it's recognizing how to fight back to back rather than nose to nose, but also love in marriage, it does take work. It does yeah. take effort. It takes yeah. intentionality. It takes making the investment. It takes taking the initiative, right? All of these different things to make sure that you're prioritizing it. I don't believe that love goes away. I think love goes awry. And so yeah. it's then making sure that it is the most important thing. It's at the forefront of all that you do, becoming the best version of yourself, but yeah. also making sure that you're adding value and trying to lead your spouse to becoming the best version of themselves, the version that God created yeah. them to become. Grant, yeah. You mentioned how marriage has really given you a different perspective of like Mm -hmm. God's love for us. And I'm interested, what more has it taught you about just the character of his heart and maybe viewing Maddie through a different lens for which Christ views us as his bride being the church? Yeah, totally, man. I want to say this about Maddie as well. Like she, the most beautiful thing about Maddie is that she loves God more than she loves me. Yes. And yes. so she wakes up and she goes, my priority number one is not Grant, it's yes. God. And yes. so when she gets alone on her mountain and she spends time with God, that frees me up to not have to complete her, but to simply come alongside of her and push her to walk in her purpose. And that's the beauty of marriage is not that we found our soulmate. It's I found a woman with same vision same purpose, same race, same pace. Like that's the equally yoke that Paul was talking about. I found someone now that goes, Grant, you don't complete me. You compliment me. And as we walk together, we get to walk in step. And and that's freed me up because I think a lot of husbands can feel this pressure of, I've got to satisfy you in every area, emotionally, right. spiritually, physically, And that's a lot as a man. You work all day, you come home tired, you're trying to work out, you're trying to maintain friendships. And the most beautiful thing about Maddie is when she prioritizes her relationship with God, that frees me up to be the leader she needs me to be. If not, I'm operating in this sort of like almost um, just lacking, like I can't do enough for her. And and she does such a good job of going, nope, I get it from him, then then you. Can't be her God. That's exactly, exactly. Right. exactly. And, uh, man, m- more about like what it's shown me about God is, is God is, um, man, he's a friend. He's yeah. a friend. I think that's going to blow people's minds. Like he's not this angry George Washington hair judge, right? Like <laughs> because of Christ, he says, you're no longer a slave, but a friend. Mm-hmm. And that has really taught me, like, as I've become best friends with someone, as I've become one with someone, the most beautiful part of our marriage is late at night when we're in bed, dying, laughing, watching a movie. Yeah. Like that, that you, you popcorn, you got some sour patch and you're just like, dude, this is, a, this is the best. And I think God is showing me also, Grant, I want to be a friend like that. Yeah. Like, I want you to take the walk with me. And as you look at the tree, be reminded that that tree gives you oxygen. And I created that tree and I'm with you right now in this moment. Like, how do we see the small, simple things of life and be in awe of who God is? Like I have, so we have cattle in our backyard at here in Waco and it's like public cattle. It's not ours, but Maddie and I will take walks and we'll look over and we'll see this, this cattle. And we're just like, God created that cow and that cow gives milk. That cow gives us food. That cow dies and creates the soil. Like when you start to just slow down enough mm. and talk to God, not like it's this, you know, very formal, but it's like a friend that is the relationship he desires with you. And so I'm reminded with Maddie, God wants to talk with me and laugh with me. Like when Jesus came into Peter's boat, he's like, let's go fishing. Yes. Like he, he wants to fish with you. He wants to do the small things like that. And, 
And that is a God that no other religion has. That's a God that um, that is so counter what we think. Yes, he's holy. Yes, he will be praised. But he wants to be your best friend, Zach. That's exactly right. I read a book not too long ago that was titled, I'd Like You More If You Were More Like Me. And this book was all about intimacy and how the author defined it was that intimacy is mastering the art of shared experience. And like you said, it was all about Mm -hmm. friendship. And he broke down the life of Christ. And what he was saying was, Jesus was willing to go about his business more slowly if it meant connecting with his friends more deeply. And that's the whole heart behind what you just said, right? Like marriage should be about a friendship. Like it should be your best friend. Um, Evelyn and I just had one of those nights the other night where we turned on just like a fall movie and we had the popcorn and we did it all. And we had a blast. It should be fun, right? And make sure that you prioritize keeping it light and airy too. I'm Zach Clinton. I'm the host here on the Built Different Podcast sponsored by the AACC. I'm joined by a dear friend of mine and the young adults pastor at Harris Creek Baptist Church, Mr. Grant Trout. Grant, as we keep diving in, man, as I mentioned, the new role, a new position, uh, young adults pastor, Harris Creek Baptist yes. Church in Waco, Texas. God is doing something special down there in and through that ministry, in and through you, man, and your leadership. But you guys just came out with a new title for it. You just launched it. It's titled The Net. I'm yes. interested. Why The Net? But also, what is going on down there? It seems like something incredible is brewing. And if there's somebody watching or listening today that's down around the Waco area, how can they get more involved? Totally, man. So I, uh, the last thing I thought I'd ever be doing is working for a church <laughs> and God works in mysterious ways. And here I am and, uh, getting to lead the young adults. And so how it came about the net is me and I've got a partner who's in it with me. We run it together and, uh, it was called Harris Creek Young Adults. And we, as we were praying through it, I was like, listen, if I'm, if I'm a non-believer, say, say I'm on the Baylor basketball team or the Baylor football team and I hear Harris Creek Young Adults, man, that doesn't, that doesn't feel as inviting to me. Yeah. I, I'm not a Harris Creek young adult. Like, what is it? And so we started praying. We're like, we got to give it a name and an identity. And I would say for anybody running a ministry, your name and identity really matters. I agree. Like it, it, it can take on that. And so as we were praying, my partner actually had a dream. And he comes to me the next day and he goes, Grant, you're not going to believe this. He goes, we were in a dream. We were all in a circle. I had this cardboard box and people were throwing out names. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the dream, someone goes, what about the net? And he said, I woke up. <laughs> and he comes and tells me that. And I go, bro, that's so crazy. And I sit on it and because the first mes- message I ever preached was Luke 5, when Jesus met Peter on his boat. And he said, hey, cast your nets on the other side. And the way I ended that sermon was I actually held up a basketball net. And I said, this was the net God was asking for me. Because I played college basketball, I told you a little bit about that story. And finally, through a career-ending injury, he was like, can I have that idol? And so as we prayed through it, we read Luke 5, and I just said, hey, I think what I want this ministry to be about is simply people encountering Jesus. So Jesus stepped onto Peter's boat. People going, I've been trying it this way, my way for so long. Peter, who was casting his nets his way for so long, Jesus says, hey, will you throw it on the other side? Will you trust me? When Peter did that, that was this moment, personal step of faith going, I'm done doing it my way. I'm going to do it your way. And as he did that, it says his nets overflowed. So there's this abundance of joy, abundance of life. And as Peter caught all that fish, that would have been life changing for his business. He doesn't think about the fish. He drops the fish and he says, you are the son of God. And I want people then at the very end of it, Jesus looked at Peter and he said, now you're a fisher of men. You're a living net. So your whole purpose, identity and value has changed. And that's really what I want the ministry to be about is a place where people walk in and they encounter Jesus. And through that personal step in faith in Jesus, they find that their life is full of joy, full of peace. The reason they were created. And then lastly, they go, hey, I am now a living net. I'm a fisher of men. My job is to bring more people in. And so the net is really just a simple place for young adults. If you're in your 20s or your 30s, it's not that easy to find friends right now. You know, we've never been more connected. In high school, you have kind of this formula for friends. College, you've got the formula. Young adults, you're going, I don't have school. Like, where do I? And so we wanted to gather all of our people and say, hey, come in, one, to experience Jesus and then experience community. Mm. Like a message can put the pebble in the shoe, 
but it's community and it's people and it's relationships that change lives. So, so I want you to come in, hear about Jesus, but we create our messages to end where we just all go hang out. We have snacks. We have an after party. That's where the magic happens. That's where you get plugged in. And that's where you start to find friends that begin to actually point you closer to Jesus and not simply, you know, take you to the bar and do all the things that I used to be doing. Yeah, dude, I love that because that's exactly what it's all about. It's about connection. It's about relationship. I believe we were made for people. We were made to love and be loved, one with our God, but also yeah. with one another with man. So that's so important. It's so imperative. You guys are doing something so cool down there. I can't wait to come and visit because when I dude, go down to the Waco area, I'm going to the net. Let me. You got to see it, man. You got to <laughs> see it. And, and truly, if if you there's no special like secret handshake. Like if you're in the Waco area, come come, come see it, come and see. There's no, I think people, it's really scary to walk into places alone. And and that's something we've really focused on is how do we meet people where they're at? Because I want this to be, you know, feeding for the strong believer. And then I want the person that doesn't even know if they are into Jesus to walk in and be like, I feel at home here. I feel welcome here. And so I would say wherever you're at in the faith journey, like this is a place where you can come in and figure it out. Like no, there's no varsity or junior varsity Christian. It's either, you know, Jesus or you don't. And from someone who has literally gone from death to life, my aim in life is to tell people the only experience of freedom and life and joy is found in Jesus Christ. And we're going to keep it that simple. And we're going to help you walk through that journey in that faith. Man, dude, I love that. God is obviously doing something special in and through the net. Man, a year and a half ago when we were sitting in this podcast studio doing our first round on the pod together, you had just met Maddie. Like you said, you really hadn't even thought that you were going to find yourself in a pastoral role whatsoever. But something that I found so unique as I was just thinking about our time together was that I believe that both the role of husband, but also the role of pastor, they both take the heart and the perspective of a shepherd, right? Someone who serves, someone who sacrifices, someone who comes alongside of, who pursues, who loves, who nurtures, who feeds those that they have the opportunity of interacting with and kind of the flock that God has entrusted to them. So I'm interested, during this season of change, Grant, have you stepped into both of those roles? What has God done in terms of your perspective on leadership? How has that changed in your life? Yeah, man, like completely switched. I would say I was reading reading the Gospels a couple days ago and Jesus was answering a question to his disciples. They said, hey, like, how do we become great? How do we become great? Because I think there's this innate desire in every human being that desires to do something great. I think that's God given. And Jesus begins to reframe what greatness truly looks like. And he brought this child in front of them. And he says, anyone that doesn't receive me like this child is not going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. He said, the greatest of these among you must become the least of these. And in that time period, a child was the most neglected, the least respected. It was kind of the most humble position you could be in society. And what he was saying is, hey, the humble, the meek, those that seek to serve, those are the great ones. And so my whole perspective on what greatness is, on what leadership is, is how great of a servant are you? How like if you want to be great, you become the least of these. And what I'm seeing in leadership and ministry and in marriage is if you think that leadership is this position of dictatorship or special treatment, like, bro, you've got it completely wrong. And so what I am learning, and this is anti probably what everyone else desires in life is like, I am learning that the most beautiful quality Jesus is seeking in his people is humility. And when you treat people as they are more important than me, and although I'm the leader, I'm going to go and I'm going to wash feet and I'm going to serve. And that is like, bro, daily in marriage with Maddie. That's right. It's like, all right, everything in me wants to come home and you serve me. And it's like, no, a great leader, what Jesus showed us, how can I serve you? Hey, let me get the dishes. Hey, I got the laundry. I got you. I got you. Let me make the bed. It's the small things, man. And truly, like what I've seen is freedom is found in that. Freedom is found when you're like, I'm just going to live to give. I'm going to live to serve. Anxiety flees when you walk in a room and go, who can I encourage? Who can I serve? Who can I love? Because you're not thinking about what are they thinking about me? You walk in there and you go, like I heard it said, my pastor says this, hey, be a there you are guy, not a here I am guy. And you just walk in a room and go, there you are, not here I am. And that frees your mind up, bro, just to operate as a true leader, a leader worth following. 
Because I mean, people don't follow someone that's always right. They follow someone that's always real, mm. always honest. Goes back to leading with vulnerability. Like, man, sometimes I'll sit in a circle with the net team and just go, hey, guys, um, I don't have it. I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm struggling. I'm doing my best. Here's where I'm at. And I'm not getting it perfect all the time. I'm not saying I'm some great leader. But if you're honest and vulnerable, it frees up the team. It frees up the people to go, I can I can roll with that. I can roll with someone that's going to be honest. So I would, man, I would say my, my perspective on leadership is how great of a servant are you? And how do you treat the people that can do nothing for you? Like that tells me everything about what I need to know about who you are. How do you treat the server? How do you treat the janitor? How do you treat the person that can offer you nothing? And that's the quality I think Jesus is looking for in his strongest leaders. So good, man. People won't always follow somebody that's always right, but they'll always follow somebody that's always real. And like you said, humility. I love that aspect of humility because humility, again, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, growing out of yourself and growing into the team, moving from that me to that we mindset. And that's so important. Like you said, I don't even think the Bible mentions the word leader one time. It always mentions those servant hundreds, right? So it's identifying, right? The least of these, like you said, coming alongside of people and serving them in their time of need. Right up to this point. Yeah, what were you going to say? Well, yeah, real quick on that, man. I I was watching a movie with my wife. Have you ever seen the movie Radio? Yes, dude. I love that football movie. Yeah. Yeah. So Maddie and I were watching that a month ago. And in the middle of that movie, bro, I'm like, I'm crying. And, And the Lord goes, Grant find your radios. Mm. And what he wasn't saying is find, you know, someone that has that specific case, but Grant, find the people that you can just serve and yeah. give to. And, and cause I was in this place kind of, man, and, and we may get to this later, but when you, when you get on social media or you start doing things, even like a podcast, man, it's really easy to get caught up in. How am I doing? Yep. Am I doing enough? Yep. What are my followers looking like? Am I growing? And when God kind of just impressed that upon my heart, find your radios, he was trying to center me. He's like, bro, get back to to the good place of finding people that can offer you nothing and just serve them. And I would say for the people right now that are going, what's my purpose? What's my destiny? And, And they're thinking it's this big moment. Find people around you that you can serve and you can give to. And in the midst of that, you find your purpose. Like find the purpose, find the person on the corner of the street and just start serving them. Find the person in your life right now that is hidden, that is suffering, that needs help and just give, just serve. That's what I like. Like if Jesus, I just, if he could come back, he's like, man, don't get it twisted. Like don't think life is about doing these big things for me in front of 10,000 people. There may be a time for that, but there is someone that you walk by every single day that is hurting, that is lonely, and that's afraid, and you taking the time to stop, drop off the gift card, write the note, ask them how their family's doing, that is something I know God is proud of. Yes. Like me, me and Maddie always wrestle with, what is God proud of? Mm. Because I would say even in Waco, the big decision to move here was when God said it's a marathon, not a sprint, like I thought if I stayed in Dallas and there was a lot of opportunities that came to us right off the bat, I know I wasn't ready. Right. I, I think I would have burned out, truly. Right. And so to come to Waco and slow down, we go, okay, God, God, you've brought us opportunities right now that could impact a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people. But we didn't feel peace in that. For right now, for whatever reason, we didn't feel like God had stamped our names on that. And he was like, hey, I, I want you to do what you know I'm proud of, yeah. which is find the one. Find that person who's hurting. Not that this is bad, but I think there's just a time and a place for this. And I think a lot of people are going, well, Grant, if it's impacting the kingdom, if you're telling people about Jesus, it must be good. And I would say for our case, it just wasn't the right time. But we know right now, getting with a small group of people in our living room, talking about Jesus, like that's the good stuff. 
That's the good stuff, bro. As we've been talking about and kind of unpacking throughout this entire conversation, we've been talking a lot about kind of like the fear of the unknowns and helping people get the motivation, just ignite this sense of, you know, you don't have to shrink from unfamiliarity or discomfort in this life, right? Some of the best things can come in seasons of change and transition. But like you just mentioned, sometimes the future and our goals and our dreams and our aspirations, Grant, they can become so distracting, right? That we start trying to create this brighter tomorrow that we forget to find and to search for the light that can be found in today. I love what you said, serve people, right? That is so important. But what do you, what would you say in this other season of knowing that God has you in the season that you're in developing you, he's molding you. Some people may be like, but it looks like a wilderness for me, Grant. Like it's boring, right? I want to be out here, but this is where God has me. How can you stay rooted and anchored and just focus where your feet are? So that way you don't miss the moments and the lessons that God has for you here today absolutely man i think i think about david and his pastures with his sheep he was not invited to the party to anoint the new king right and here's the deal i don't think he was bothered by it yeah. i don't think he was looking to the right or to the left going why am i not there he wasn't scrolling on snapchat looking at the party he was talking to god yep. he was messing with his slingshot he was shepherding sheep And I think so many people right now are trying to fast track and skip and fast forward that season alone with God in the pasture with the sheep because they want to get to that party quicker than they're invited to. And when I think about David, that brother was practicing with the slingshot. That's right. And he knew one day whether God was going to give him a moment or not. He knew it's me and God. Like this, this is what it's about. And I think there's so many young people right now, especially with social media going, oh my gosh, my time has to be now. If I don't put myself in front of people, maybe God will miss me. And I would just want to say like, God is not going to miss you. He's not going to forget about you. And I think we think that we got to put ourselves out there and market ourselves and go, I'm here or else God may miss me. And it's like, man, don't skip the quiet, dark developmental place. I'm sure you've heard this, but how to develop film, it has to go in the dark, black, isolated room. And that's where the film develops to the high quality, crisp picture that it ultimately turns out to be. And a lot of people are wanting to open up that door and let the light in and get the spotlight too soon. And you're ruining the picture that God wants to develop. And so right now, you are in a season that God has, that he has prepared you to be in. And don't rush it. Like when I sit here in Waco, I think it's sometimes often tempting to go, man, I miss, I missed that or I missed out or shouldn't I be? And God's going, Grant, I have you exactly where you are. Don't skip this because what I'm preparing and doing inside of you is getting you ready. It's mending you. It's molding you. It's sharpening you. And by the way, where you are is important. Mm -hmm. It's not wasted. He does not waste the season with the sheep. It's important. He has sheep for you. And so look around instead of, I wish going Luke 16, 10, he who is faithful with, with what he has will be faithful with much. And if you're skipping the step of the faithful with, with the little, he won't entrust you to faithful with much. And so even if you're in school, if you're going one day, I want to, but you're cheating on your test, it's like, oh, you're not even doing your homework right. Right. Or if you have a ministry full of 10 people and you want the ministry with 100,000, how are you dealing with them? How are you pouring into them? It translates into any act of what you do for a living. And man, you cannot skip that step. And so I would just say, like, get back to the basics. Get alone in the closet. Pray with God. Like, worship. Memorize scripture. You're never going to get this time back. Mm. And so how you steward this is going to determine how you handle what he has next. So good, bro. Don't rush or don't skip the season that God has you today because he's preparing you and he's producing something greater within you in the midst of this time, in the midst of this season. And don't let comparison and maybe unhealthy discontentment make you fast forward through where God has you today too, right? Because I need somebody to hear this. What you just said brought up this thing in my mind. It was the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Like, let's just be honest, right? You can have like goals and dreams and aspirations and you can see where God is kind of taking you. But if you're not ready yet, then it's the wrong thing to do, right? So be rooted, be anchored, be all in for where God has you today. And God God is never, God is never late. Never late. God is never late. And we're going, 
I think you messed up, God. And it's like, he has you where he has you because he's called you to be right there. So Lord, don't develop me. Like, don't, don't, this is, this is something that I pray often. Lord, don't deliver me until you've developed me. Come on. So don't, don't get me out of this, whether that's, Hey, that's even with the anxiety. That's even with painful situations until you've done all you need to do inside of me. Don't, don't deliver me because I want to get all that I want to get out of this before you take me to the next spot. And that's not an easy prayer to pray, Zach. That, that's a prayer that will come with tears. It will come with bleeding. It will, it will come with hard nights, but that's the prayer that's worth it. Wow. God, don't deliver me until you fully developed me. Grant, dude, I could sit here with you all day. I'm not kidding you for hours. <laughs> breaking all this stuff down, man. Totally. But if we kind of wrap up the conversation and we come to a close. As you know, here on the podcast, I always love leaving the door open for our guests just to share a pressing word that God has placed on their heart for such a time as this. So who I want you to really speak to is the guest today. Maybe somebody who is settling for comfort and convenience out of fear. Maybe it's somebody who's trying to rush through this season that God has them in. What's mm. just the final message that God has placed on your heart that would hopefully spark some hope and some encouragement and some motivation for our listeners and viewers today to go live, love, and lead different. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's okay to be um, tired right now and exhausted, and it's okay to be like, I'm not okay. I, I feel like I can speak from personal experience even right now today. Like there are moments I'm just going, I'm, I'm not okay. Like I'm really hurting. And I would just say, feel the freedom to raise your hand, whether you have a group of friends or a pastor or a mentor or a counselor. Like when you begin to speak that up and speak that out, it it will begin to free you up. And, and, And also in the midst of that, I'm reminded of Isaiah 40, 30 through 31. It says, even though youth shall faint and young men grow weary, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall walk and not be faint. They shall run and not grow weary. I know through personal experience that those that wait upon God, he will renew their strength. Mm -hmm. And waiting is hard. It's scary. You cry and you're going, have you forgotten me? And so what does waiting look like? Man, waiting looks like doing the right thing right now, each and every day. God I'm going to get in my word today, even though I don't feel like it. God, I'm going to start getting prayer cards. I'm going to write Zach Clinton, and I'm going to start praying for him. I'm going to write mom and dad. I'm going to write my business. And just, man, start praying. Get familiar with God as an intimate relationship. And then lastly, seek to serve. I've said it, but like when you are going through something hard, I have found the greatest way to get out of my head and back onto the mission field is find someone I can serve. And God will begin to use that person to actually ignite new fire, new confidence, because you think you're helping that person, but truly God uses them to help you more than anything. That's right. He reminds you what matters. He reminds you that in a million years, there's going to be a very small, limited amount of things that mattered. Mm-hmm. How you loved him and how you loved and treated people really matter. That's right. Like That's right. N- not, not the followers, man. Not what you did, not the business, not how good you look, the clothes, that stuff will fade. There will be very few things that matter in a million years. And that's what I've been reminded of is, Grant, few things matter. And I don't know if Jesus is coming back soon. Things look crazy right now, but I'm going to live like he is. And if he's coming back on Friday, how am I treating people? Like, how, how am I stopping? Jesus was interruptible. How am I stopping and treating people? And so the first thing I would do is say, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. God wants you to fight. So I want you to get on your knees. I want you to get in his word. And I want you to find one person, one person that you can just start serving. Text them encouragement. Drop a note by and just an anonymous note and say, hey, you're worth it. You're valued. God sees you. If you begin to live life like that, that's just intentional living. That's all that is, is instead of going through your day thinking, what can I get? It's who can I see? God, who who you got for me? As I walk into Starbucks, is there somebody in the corner that you want me to go talk to? When you start to live with that lens, man, your eyes go from inward to outward and you begin to live this new life of, man, just joy and freedom. So kind of what's on my heart right now. 
That's so good. I love two things that I pulled from that. Waiting is an action. Like you said, it's doing the right thing at the right time each and every day. And then when you said growing outside of yourself to go and serve somebody else, I'm reminded of a quote that I shared on here several times by Dr. James Dobbs, and I love it. He says, life will trash your trophies. All that matters in the end is who you loved and who loved you, right? Life is all about relationship. Grant Trout, dude, I love you, my friend. I love you. You're a brother, man. You're somebody who I look up to, somebody that I glean so much wisdom and knowledge and experience from because of what Mm -hmm. God has just blessed and entrusted you with. You have a gift and a talent to communicate the word with others, but also just to love on people and to shepherd them and to point them in the right direction. I cannot thank thank you you enough for all that you're doing, and I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. Zach, thank you, bro. I, I, I seriously enjoyed this so much. And this better not be the last time because every time we do this, it does something to me, man. <laughs> hey, I love you, bro. Thank you so much. I love you, dude. All right, brother. You guys, as we close and as we've recently just come out of Thanksgiving week and are now embarking into the Christmas season, can you believe that we're here? I mean, we're past Thanksgiving. Christmas music is being played everywhere. Some of you are like, no, we started playing Christmas music on November the 1st. Well, let me tell you something. Now it is everywhere. It's in the malls. It's on the radio. Christmas lights are being hung everywhere. Decorations are going up. Christmas wrapping is going everywhere. It's a lot of fun, right? There's a lot of holiday joy. And recently, as I was reading through the Gospels, I actually came across the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And I don't know why, but there were just two words that really stuck out to me this year. And to give you guys a little preface or a little background of where I'm picking up at, so this is when uh, the angels actually approached the shepherds who were abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And in verse 10, it says this, and the angel said unto them, hear these two words, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Again, Those two words that really stuck with me this year were fear not. Did you know that the Bible actually mentions the words fear not or do not be afraid 365 times? Let me remind you, there are exactly 365 days in a given year. That means that, my friends, God cares so much. We get the opportunity of serving a God who is in every detail, a God that wants to remind us to not be afraid. But you know why I think I appreciated this conversation with Grant so much today is because the truth of the matter is that one of my greatest fears in this life has always been that of change. I'm just a creature of habit, man. Change can be difficult for me to process and really experience, whether good or bad. I've just always struggled with it. So as I was reading Luke 2 and I saw those words, fear not, I wanted to research what some theologians had to say as to why the angels began with those words. And here's what I found. They said, I believe the angels know that we shrink from anything unfamiliar, even if it's for our greatest good. Have you ever felt guided into a new area of life that makes you uncomfortable, even turns your world upside down? Or has change ever hit you like a two by four? Maybe it was a major change in job, finances, relationship, or health. Here's the thing we must remember. Change is required if we want more good in our lives. Something has to shift and make room for it. Something new has to lead us to it. The truth is we might not believe the good tidings at first. So it's no wonder every conversation with an angel begins with fear not or do not be afraid, for they have to convince us that change can be good. My friends, as we embark into this holiday and Christmas season, I want to encourage you that if you're being guided into new territory, or if you're entering a different chapter or stage of life, whether chosen or not, I want to remind you today that God is still in control, and if you allow Him to, He will use what's changed, and He will make it good. Fear may be crippling, but hope, hope is everlasting. You see, the angels knew what the shepherds did not. The fear they may have initially experienced was followed by the good news that is the answer to our fears, that is the peace in the midst of our storms, and that is the hope in which we live for and with. My friends, even in the midst of the change that you're enduring, or of the transition, or of the hardship today, I want to challenge and encourage you to fear not. Because hope is a person. As always, my friends, we just wanted to thank you so much for joining us. We love being a part of your life. And we hope to see you right back here next week on the Build Different Podcast.